Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. We got at Nate Geary Sports. And uh, Nate says, Merry Christmas to everyone except for Tom Brady who is probably watching his own documentary with his family this morning. Sports Talk Saturday. We were watching the highlights of last year's Super Bowl, which we won, but we weren't watching the <laughs> <a> documentary. <laughs> Does Nate actually play sports? Emotional damage. On WGR. You good? Not little jets. Okay. He died of emotional damage. Sports Radio 550. All right, big thanks to Aaron Quinn for jumping in in studio with me last hour to help break down both sides of the ball. Joining me on the Wester Hotline, we're going to talk more Bills Rams with Football Outsiders, Mike Tinier. Mike, I, I don't know, did you you hear the open there? You know, I, it's funny anytime um, somebody replays that video or that sound from when Tom Brady tried to dunk on me on his podcast, but really mm-hmm. he sort of dunked on himself by making it seem like, I was like, oh, he's definitely making his family watch his own documentary. He's like, no, we were actually watching my Super Bowl highlights, idiot. Like classic Tom Brady, right? Like dunking on himself, doesn't even know it. Yeah, and now we're thinking about Tom Brady's family and it's like, hmm, maybe things are coming back to roost a little bit. Yeah. Tom Brady is uh, right now getting ready to watch the Michigan game by himself. Uh <laughs> While uh, Giselle and the kids are, you know, wherever they may be, uh, wherever they may spend their time these days. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's sad, but it's funny. You know, it's like funny, sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> this isn't like your brother-in-law you know, getting a divorce from your sister. This is Tom and Giselle. They can buy themselves a million times. We can chuckle a little bit about the uh, the, the goings-on with the wealthy and powerful. A- absolutely, we can. Uh, speaking of the wealthy and the powerful, uh, Los Angeles was the stage on Thursday night, Mike. Um, overall, 30,000-foot view, your take on the game, and, and is it more? Is your take more around your concerns and worries about what the Rams are going to be this year based on that week one performance, or are they really revolving around how good you think the Bills looked in that game and, and, and maybe as a sign of things to come without maybe over compensating because it's a week one uh it's a week one victory my side was on the bills and i'm not just saying that on bills radio uh right now you know i I took to twitter that night and looked around and everybody's like boy the rams look this the rams look this like are you seeing this Bills team that they're facing? Yeah, I can see the Rams' woes, but, you know, I'm seeing, like, the backup defensive linemen getting sacks here and, and, and all the other things that we kind of saw, the, the running game coming when it had to for the Bills and all of this. Like, this is a sign of a team that is was coming in to prohibitive favorites to be the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the Super Bowl favorite for the AFC. 
look like they were on a mission in the preseason, come in in week one and look like they continue to be on the mission. I think the Rams will bounce back. When we see the Rams face your basic team week in and week out, they're going to be the better team. We're seeing what the Bills are, which is a notch ahead of that, at least in week one. So talk to me a little bit about the and, – and I, and I love your, your thought there on the defensive line because it was very apparent, you know, Ed Oliver, who I would probably mark as their second-best defensive lineman not named Von Miller, he goes out of the game, Jordan Phillips comes in and just damn right do, just dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, I mean, he got several quarterback pressures, ended up with a sack. Uh, Boogie Basham, their second-round pick, who did almost nothing and was really like their – he was scratched every week last year as a healthy scratch he gets an, a, a sack and interception uh then you got aj epinesa who is like oh he was a second round pick a couple years ago and uh, maybe he this will be his last year a sack and a half in this game greg Rousseau has a sack and really dominates the line of scrimmage like that defensive line mike i i know how many how much resources assets draft picks you name it they've put into that defensive line over the last couple of years that they are seeing the fruits of those investments now they are and when the game was going on it kept being like Oh, yeah, I remember that guy from college. They drafted him, too. Oh, yeah, that guy. I remember him. They drafted him, too. So it was a little bit like a situation where you're not drafting guys like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson this year where they the Lions draft him, and it's all we talk about in the preseason, and we see him get a sack, and we're excited. The Bills have been doing this succession game with a lot of these second-rounders. I think just about everybody you named there was a second-rounder or a third-rounder, including Oliver. And sometimes with those edge rushers, they need to be put in a position where, yeah, it's a redshirt year or it's a year where you're coming off the the bench or you're the rotational guy. And teams like the Ravens and I think the Steelers are another example mm. had success developing those guys by not putting pressure on them. You go out there, you lead us in sacks as a rookie. Oh, you're getting double teamed. Oh, you, you pulled a hamstring, et cetera, et cetera. These guys are coming through now, and that saturation situation that you create where you put a lot of resources but you get a lot of guys is why there's always a set of fresh legs in third and ten. Why there's a set of fresh legs when you need somebody. Why Von Miller can give way to Epinesa or whatever, because we don't need you right now, Von Miller. You can go go rest your uh, your aged legs a little bit, and we'll call on you on third and 15. And I think that's one one of the things that makes the Bills kind of like uh, like injury-proof at one of their key positions, because they could lose a guy and not miss a step. Most teams can't say that when it comes to their pass rush. Let me ask you about specifically Von Miller and your thoughts on his performance because I I don't know exactly what I was going to expect from Von Miller in this game. Um, I would have probably expected he was going to have some juice facing his former team in L.A., wanted to prove a point, whatever it was. He looked like defensive player of the year von miller not von miller aging out and and you know maybe he's a nice story and maybe the bills overpaid a little bit and they're getting more of a symbolic von miller no 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 he looked like he looked like prime 20s von miller and if they're getting that all season and to your point mike they'll be able to stretch out his snaps if he plays 48 to 55 percent of the snaps that's a that's a recipe to get the longevity the play that we saw yesterday in week 15 in week 17 in January potentially February how big if they have a potential player of the year von miller playing on that defense like what does that what does that do for this bills defense and maybe their chances overall in February well, I mean, first of all symbolic von miller that's jj watt J.J. Watt is the symbolic yes, Von Miller. It's like yes. he's returning from injury sometime soon, and he'll carry the flag out. He'll get one sack, and then he'll return to the injury list. I, I don't think we've ever seen a Von Miller quite like that. We did see a Von Miller who I think was kind of tired of the grind in Denver, uh, and we saw that for a couple of years there mm-hmm. where he was, unless Bradley Chubb was healthy for that week, always getting double-teamed, triple-teamed, was asked to be the absolute face of the franchise. 
this is the love of the game, Von Miller. And you know, the, the way I say it, like Von Miller was a Hall of Famer when he left uh, when he left Denver at the Super Bowl last year. He became a first ballot Hall of Famer. And what I saw on Thursday is the guy where they don't even have the conversation at the Hall of Fame. They just say, "And now presenting Von Miller." Okay, let's vote, and they put him in. Like that—that's the guy we're seeing right now. But for the team right now, right? It, it is that one. It adds to all those young pass rushers. The one guy who. A, is sort of a mentor for them. B, is a focal point for the opposing defense where it's like when he's out there, you can never scheme for Rousseau or Basham. You know, you have to start your scheme for, for Miller. And, and, and C, never underestimate the tone setter guy. You know, I'm an analytics person. We're supposed to be like, oh, Super Bowl experience doesn't matter. You know, that kind of person in the locker room doesn't matter because it's all spreadsheets and databases and things like that. Hello, it does matter. The Bills probably needed a little bit of an over-the-top guy who can tell you this is this is what we have to do in, in crunch time come to playoffs. Von Miller, 2015 last year, absolutely has been that guy and can be that guy for these Bills. Yeah, you know, is is the is the big giant guy that always lets people know they've made it to the Hall of Fame? Is that is that Carl Baker? Do you know who I'm talking oh. about? Carl Baker. Is that like oh yeah, the big dude who knocks on the door? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's sort of like the Hall of Fame Grim Reaper, um, but like. He he won't even need to knock on the door for Von Miller, right? Like a, after yesterday's performance, like he's just gonna like maybe they just take him out of the ceremony altogether, right? Well, the funny part is you're right, that guy, and he knocks on the door and like you, you know Warren Sapp answers and he's a head taller than Warren Sapp. Yes, yes, that's who the guy. This, yes, who is this guy? Is this Andre the Giant? Or is this a special <laughs> effect? Like what is happening here? You're I know you're talking about but six nine. You know, you, he's six foot nine, four hundred pounds. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! Well, they found somebody just just in case the dude is mad when you open the door. It's like ah, I'm not messing with you. Don't yeah, worry about don't it. worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Uh, Mike Denier here, of Football Outsiders, on the Wester Hotline. So I want to before we shift into the offensive side of the ball and talk more about this game. Um, defensively to the secondary, right? A lot was made of the Bills' young secondary. Dane Jackson right now is kind of the de facto cornerback one while Tredavious White uh, comes back from that ACL injury, probably thinking after the bye week, week seven, week eight, somewhere around that time, Mike. But what did you make of, I mean, I thought Dane Jackson played really well in that game. How many franchises do you believe would have the ability, the slack, um, Maybe what's what's another word here? They started their their sixth round corner over their first round corner. Now Kyrie yeah. Elam played. It wasn't like Christian Benford was out there the entire game. They 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 had they basically played fifty fifty. But how many franchises would be willing in this moment in a on the opening week stage a team that's you know favored for the Super Bowl start a six rounder over a first rounder even if the six rounder is night and day better than the first rounder? It's hard to admit that and then put that on national television. You're absolutely right, and I think that that is a dedication of that you have a general manager working down to the coach, working down to the coordinator, where the communications are clear and it's not about egos. Uh, You know, I I think the Ravens are another example of a team that could do that. The Costa and Harbaugh would huddle up and say, yeah, this is the reality, let's do that. And you could probably name, like, another team here or there. Certainly the the Patriots could do it because Belichick could talk to Belichick and they would do it. Uh, But but. It's rare because that would become like this big hassle. And any team that changed coaches or general managers or coordinators, this would have been a story and it would have been a problem. And like the lesser of the players would go out there. You don't have that at Buffalo. And that's another one of those things that works in the background as you move forward that everyone's on the same page. And you're right, Ilum is not doghoused or anything no, else. No, like right. That. So he's still in the picture. Of course, White should be back in the picture in a couple of weeks. And, you know, one thing I noticed, it's like, 
there wasn't really a solution for Cooper Cup. That wasn't the case no. at all. Like, ah, we have blanketed Cooper. The thing is, uh, Robinson was invisible. Uh, you know, the tight ends, the screen game, the running game, none of those things happened. And the pass rush came to fruition. I still get the impression that the cornerback room until White returns is not ideal for the Bills. Sure. But they've got a lot of solutions. They've got the safeties. I think the linebackers played right, lights out. They've got a lot of solutions to say, this is manageable even if we're rotating these rookies and shuttling them in a lot. Yeah, and, like, when you think about that defense, too, like I, we were talking about this last hour, like, maybe there's now a bit of a change of philosophy where it's not, okay, the defensive line is going to get sacks, but it's going to be because the back end is, you know, covering for five, six seconds and eventually you just get coverage sacks. Now you can allow your young corners to develop because you get, you have a defensive line that's getting to the quarterback and the ball's got to come out in under three seconds. And I think that's, that's a little bit of a shift of what they've been over the last couple of years when they've been like headlined by Jerry Hughes as their main pass rusher. And now there's just a little bit of a difference there. And to your point about Cooper cup too, Mike like you know Cooper Cup's gonna get his against everybody I think in this game for them for for Matt Stafford not even capable or being able to get to the backside routes says a lot about how how much the Bills defensive line dominate the line of scrimmage but also how much I think that's an unsustainable model for LA it is they're going to have to get more from other people out there because it really was yes Cup was playing great uh, Stafford made a lot of mistakes, but like he again, he was under duress. Aaron Donald looked great. It's just that the ball's out of uh, Allen's hands already, or they're running to the other side of the play, or they're running boot against him, or whatever. The other guys have to stand up. Ramsey did not play well, but the other guys have to stand up. And going back to the Bills, you're right. You know, it's great to be able to do a little of both. Like the pass rush can support the, the secondary, and the secondary also, especially when Trey White returns, can support the pass rush when the chips are down. You know, uh, on Monday night, you got a, a tougher Titans uh, offensive line, I think, than what you I, I agree. But uh, you don't have any receivers to worry about. No, <laughs> none. No, no receivers. So it's like, okay, the secondary can do their part here and clamp down. The following week, oh my God, there's the Dolphins. Got to worry about those receivers. That offensive line should be vulnerable. So from week to week, you know, from, from a coordination standpoint, from the players themselves standpoint, it's like we have a solution for this week's problem and we can manage it. Also, if we can hold them under 24, we're certainly fine with our offense. Mike, I, I want to talk about Bill's offense now. Josh Allen, he's obviously the easy kind of target. I, I just I thought the, the Bills' defense played such a, a strong game um, that they warrant a, a good amount of the conversation. But Josh Allen, yeah. short of a fluky couple of first-half interceptions, was kind of right yeah. back on pace of playing like those perfect games that he played against the Patriots and then the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, particularly in that second half. What, what did you make of Allen's performance um, – because, it, you know, I think he had a career-high 2.19 seconds before the ball came out. Um, he really – he did things, Mike, that I think – and I said this earlier today – maybe signal what the future can hold when he can't be Cam Newton anymore, when he's mm-hmm. 31 years old and can't rely on running guys over. I think what we saw on Thursday was a sustainable in-pocket passer from Josh Allen and the fact that he had a career-high 88, not only career-high, a franchise record high, 83% completion percentage of, of with uh, throws over 30, attempts over 30. Like, that's a sustainable Josh Allen, not just the big play, volatile, you know, you know, outside, off schedule, all that good jazz. This guy dominated from the pocket, too. Yeah, and you know what? I'm guessing you guys talked about it a lot over the last couple of days. The interceptions, 
by Jiao Xiang didn't necessarily worry me. The part where he's sort of being jackknifed after a scramble uh, with his legs flying up in the air, trying to get an extra yard, that was the Josh Allen that scared me. It's like, go the heck down, Josh, in those situations, because that's what turned Cam Newton into the guy who's you know done now. You right. know, he took too many hits like that. But, yeah, the sustainability is there. And I look at the turnovers, and, and like that game, we're, we're about to watch uh, Alabama versus Texas. And we, I think we all know Alabama's going to roll, but like Alabama will probably make a mistake or two along the way. That's sort of over-exuberant. We think we can do everything. Like you see that on college football games. Like Ohio State was trailing Connecticut School of Broadcasting early because they made like some goofy, goofy mistakes uh, because they, they were trying to do too much or the guys were maybe full of themselves because they're young athletes. That's what the Bills look like. like Josh Allen's like, yeah, I can complete this pass. He gets the, the route undercut. Like, yeah, you couldn't complete that pass. This is still the Rams. That's Troy Hill. He's a professional. And then it, they grow out of it in the second half. I think the turnovers will, will subside both the fumbles and the interceptions. And what we'll be left with is, you're right, this dual-threat quarterback. And the sustainability, like, I remember – you know, John Elway still ran late in his career. You know, there, yep. a lot of uh, mobile qu- quarterbacks will run judiciously later in his career. We're going to be on that trajectory for, for Josh Allen, certainly. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And I think he can definitely be that guy who, yeah, the runs come three times a game, not eight, nine, what was it, eight times a game. And it's still necessarily a threat for him. Yeah, and you know, obviously the the pass catchers in this game, we didn't see a lot of Dawson Knox, and I'm not totally surprised about that. He mm-hmm. stayed in to block a ton, and when you're playing yeah. Aaron Donald, you're going to need reinforcements. And I think there was a, an acknowledgement, and it was you know a respect factor for having Aaron Donald in that game. You wanted to make sure that you had him kind of lined up in that offset pistol formation. So we didn't see a lot of Dawson Knox. I suspect over the following weeks we'll see a lot more of him. But and that's game plan specific. Talk to me a little bit about your over all thoughts and uh, and feedback from what you saw from guys like in this game Stefan Diggs who finishes with eight for 122 and a score and Gabriel Davis who was the most volatile conversation around you know was he going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy what's he look like he finishes with four catches uh, for I think 88 yards and a score overall the top two pass catchers report card like what would you, you have on those two Diggs is Diggs and will always be Diggs um, you know, the one play that I think would have been even close to a negative, the one incomplete pass was the scramble and the throw, like the 100-mile-an-hour fastball right at his uh, at his helmet in the end zone. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he's fine. Davis is what I think he's going to be. Like, you're, like I don't know the fantasy element of things. You're not going to have, like, 14 catches for Gabriel Davis unless you're featuring him in the screen game. You get your one big play, and then you get your plays where he's the, with the lid guy, and that's fine. You're right, Knox was being used in a lot of play action, and he's staying in to help sell play action and things like that along the way. Yeah, I saw a little bit of Crowder, too, and, like, every catch he had, 
it was kind of like, you know, second and nine and he gets you eight yards or something like that a couple of times. Plus he had a big uh, return in the game. So, you know, you know, I, we didn't see the depth of everybody involved and et cetera. You're not going to see the depth of everybody involved when you're cruising from the third quarter on. Uh, they had what it takes to take that commanding lead in the third quarter, and that's why you don't necessarily see all these things you might see when you're in the, a shootout back and forth with the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. So you mentioned the Tennessee Titans. I think that's a good place to uh, kind of wrap things up with you here, Mike. Um, a very different animal from the Los Angeles Rams, both on the offensive line, play calls, like what the style of offense they're going to run with Derrick Henry. Um, to, to your eyes, though, and this is maybe kind of going back to looking at the Bills' defensive line and their makeup, Daquan Jones obviously comes over from Tennessee this year, a much bigger, broader body. Um, you know, will, will Ed, Oliver, Ed Oliver be healthy enough to play? Uh, regardless, they're gonna, we're probably going to see a lot of Jordan Phillips in there, the stout nature of this defense. Yeah. What are you expecting to see this year that maybe you didn't see from the Bills' rush defense last year that maybe will lend to a very different result in this Monday night game when they face Tennessee? Well, I think you're right that adding Jones just adds, like, it's going to be a stout guy in the middle. I think that's part of it. I think also, and it's similar with the run defense and the run offense, like the stats will not always look phenomenal, um, you, you know, for one reason or another, because this team is built is going to be built to get sacks and they're going to be built to get turnovers, and sometimes they're going to give up some runs here and there, and it might not look phenomenal along the way. But this is an excellent test for it uh, when you're facing this Tennessee team where I, I don't know, we'll, we'll know more tomorrow when they face the Giants, Football Outsiders Almanac on the Tennessee Titans has them has had them dropping like a stone in our projections. You know, everything that's gone wrong with them has gone wrong, has lowered them in our projections right now. This is a team that, yeah, they're going to test your run defense, but if, if you give up 90 yards to Derrick Henry, it's kind of like the Cooper Cup last week. Give up 90 yards, to, give up 100 yards to Derrick Henry, that's fine. Only give up 125 yards to the passing game and you win, you know, and you, and you win 23-7 and Henry has the one touchdown. That's the kind of thing you have to be looking at against this team. They will probably get some runs up the middle. You can shut them down. The Bills can shut them down utterly in the passing game. And the, the, the tight, uh, Titans lost their top pass rusher, Harold Landry. Yep. It should be a game where the, the, the Bills are able to dictate like as, as running and passing the ball against that defense. Yeah, young corners uh, that have not yeah. really proven much yet for the Tennessee Titans, so we'll see. Mike, thanks so much, man, for joining me. Um, any bold predictions? Uh, you, you got any big upsets? What? How about this? Well, who's going to win that Dolphins-Patriots uh, game? Is there a way that they could both lose? Because if there is, I'd like to know about it. I love the fact that no matter what, I get to make fun of somebody. Yes. That's exciting. I, I always not- tee you up for that, dude. Listen, I know what you're good at, so I'm just going to uh-huh. lean into it. Yeah, my, my worry is it's going to be 42 to 41, and Tua looks awesome, and Matt Jones, they're running the, the Statue of Liberty play, and Patricia like, like has this brilliant <laughs> game plan. Then we can't make fun of anybody. I don't think it's going to happen. I've been making more fun of the Patriots because it's more fun to make fun of the Patriots, and now I'm looking at it right now. I am taking the Patriots and the under in that game Ooh. because I think I because I, I am looking at this 19 to 16 slog where, you know, the Tua thing is mostly helium. Belichick can still run his defense and beat people with his defense, and the, and that offense is clueless for the Patriots. But they're the Patriots, and when it comes to a sloppy, murky win, they'll find a way to come out the other one. So that's my, that's my play is the Patriots and the under. I, I think I got, like, plus 220 on that. Love it. Uh, appreciate you, man, as always. Enjoy the weekend slate of football games. I, I, I feel like a corporate sellout, but hook them. I mean, like, go, go horns. I mean, I would love to watch. I, I enjoy watching Alabama lose. Um, so, like, yeah, and then, you know, Notre Dame plays like Marshall, so that doesn't really care. I'm going to golf instead of watching that game today. But, yeah, overall, enjoy the slate of games, man. Enjoy tomorrow, and uh, we'll chat again soon at some point this season. 
Absolutely. Take care. Enjoy your week. Appreciate you, man. Mike Tenier there, Football Outsiders. Great, as always, on our Wester Hotline. I'm going to take a timeout. Fan-sided's Matt Verderam is going to come on. We're going to talk about the implications of what he saw on Thursday night and, and how that maybe uh, looks like for the rest of the season here in the AFC. So Matt Verderam joins the program. That's coming up next year on WGR. All right, we're at the halfway mark here of Sports Talk Saturday, and joining me to continue our our coverage, our breakdowns of Bills Rams, Matt Verderam of Fanside, who joins me now on the Western Hotline to do just that. Matt, good uh, good afternoon to you, my friend, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. There's still a little bit of like residual uh, hangover from um, you know that majestic beauty that we got to see on. On Thursday night, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Overall, and that's obviously where we're going to start and finish this conversation today, Matt. But I, I'm going to ask you the same question I just asked Mike Tanier to start our, our conversation here, which is, what stood out to you more about Thursday's game? Was it the Rams and what seemed to be a team that was either A, not as prepared as, I, I, I think, a, a, Sean, a Sean McVay team is kind of always thought to be prepared, um, that you know maybe Stafford did not really look uh, nearly as good as he looked at times last season. Um, that their entire offense is built around Cooper Cup and no one else, and like they're good with it. And their offensive line is bad, bad. Like, or was it just that the Bills were that good? Um, and they're just a better team than the Rams, and it's kind of just as simple as that. There's no nuance. So I think whenever you have two good teams play each other, and I think the Rams certainly are that, despite their Week One performance, uh, and you have a game that is that lopsided. I always believe it's a combination of two things, right? The, the Bills came out, and despite the fact that they the ball four times, were, were very, very good for the most part. I mean, look, they, they were great defensively. They got a ton of pressure. Now, I think, like, that kind of actually, though, is the perfect microcosm of this game. I think the Bills are very improved up front. Obviously, Von Miller is going to be terrific for them. I like that Jordan Phillips came back. Do I think the Bills are going to sack a team seven times a game? I mean, no, I, I don't. I think the Bills are good up front. I don't think they're the still curtain. The Rams couldn't have blocked you, me, and three guys off the street. Together. I mean, there were guys just coming to me. Like, it, was, it was insane. The other thing I will say about that game, I'm going to actually write about my column for next week over at Fanside, is Sean McVay on first down in that game just kept running the ball into the line of scrimmage. And because they couldn't block, it was second and eight, second and nine constantly. And Buffalo was able to just tee off. You know, I thought because Tredavious White was out, the Bills were some younger guys, I thought the Rams would try to spread them out a little bit, get the ball out in space. They didn't do that. But look, Buffalo played great. I thought the Rams were atrocious, and the result was a blowout. Talk to me about Cam Akers. What's going on there? I, I, I certainly wasn't expecting Daryl Henderson Jr. to start the game, get the first two drives, and I certainly yep. was doubling down, was not expecting Cam Akers to see just three touches in that football game, and those those three touches equate to just zero yards. Um, is Am I missing something? Because that's a guy that forced his way back from an Achilles injury last year. I thought he looked good coming back from that injury early. Um, is this now, is this going to just be Daryl Henderson until he inevitably gets hurt and then Cam Akers is back? Like, I, I'm, I was very confused by the start of that game when I saw Cam Akers on the sideline. It was bizarre. Look, I think, you know, they've been kind of going back and forth throughout the summer about who is going to start. Now it seems to be obviously Henderson. Nobody ran the ball well, but you're right. I mean, Akers only had three carries. And it was weird. Yesterday, McVeigh talked, 
and talked about that, you know, we feel like Akers needed to do more of his opportunities. With due respect to Sean McVay, he had three carries. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what you expected him to do with three carries and no blocking. Um, but now, look, they're, they're both going to get plenty of carries going forward because the Rams rookie running back now is out for a couple of months, um, suffering injury on special teams on Thursday night. So, look, I think ultimately for the Rams, I think it's going to be both those guys getting carries. But their bigger problem, let's face it, I mean, their offensive line couldn't it's have bad. been any worse. It's now bad. Brian Allen is out for two to four weeks. Their center, who along with Havenstein, is about the only guy who can block anybody. So you wonder if they're making a call to Andrew Whitworth here sooner rather than later and just saying, hey, Andrew, whatever you want, because we we cannot go forward with that kind of blocking. It's any good team. The problem is, Matt, is is what you saw too on Thursday, right? And I and I've talked about this um, with guys at our station. I, it, it's this conversation about depth versus top end level players, and the Bills are one of the unique teams that have had have had the last couple of years both. Now they definitely have both. You had Von Miller; they've got blue chip, but you look at their defensive line; they've got two full units of starters, and then they've got Shaq Lawson. They didn't even dress who can play and is a good depth piece and would be a primary depth piece to. 31 other teams across the league. And then you look at their defensive backfield. Oh, well, they're young and you're worried. Well, they like Christian Bedford a lot and Kyer Elam is their first-round pick. He barely, you know, he played 40-something percent of the, of the plays. Like, they can rotate groups of starting caliber players, NFL caliber players, in different parts of their team. The Rams can't. And whether that's defensive line, defensive back, yep. offensive line, wide receiver – they got Allen Robinson that's 2-2 freaking out well. And I like Ben Skoranek. He's a Notre Dame guy. He ain't an NFL wide receiver. Like, what I think they were exposed a little bit, Matt, was well, it's all funny. It's all funny games to say F them draft picks until you have no depth whatsoever. And now your Super Bowl window, I think, is, is shrunk down a lot for the ability to potentially repeat or be there at any point here in the, in the not-so-distant future. Well, it's funny, actually, that you say that, because I was thinking during the game, I wonder if Les Snead's up in the box right now thinking maybe we shouldn't F those picks. Maybe right. we actually should keep a few of them, because you're right. I mean, well, and this is, look, this is what happens when you don't have picks and you spend a ton of money on either guys you acquire via trade or you sign a free agency. And then, yeah, it's, I mean, that's all fine and well. I'm not trying to knock the Rams for winning a Super Bowl last year. I was at the game. I covered it. They played well. They deserved to win a Super Bowl. But I don't know one person that covered that Super Bowl alongside me. And I remember having this conversation with a lot of people who felt that the Rams were the best team in football last year. I mean, to me, in a lot of ways, a lot of people that at that game felt the Super Bowl was played two weeks earlier in Kansas City when, mm. when Buffalo and Kansas City had that game. And, you know, Buffalo probably should have won, didn't. And then the Chiefs had a letdown in the second half the next week. And it was, you know, look, the Rams, hey, they won their games. They deserved to win. But I don't know that they were ever, like, dominant. And now you look at this year, and they've lost pieces. Whitworth yeah. isn't there anymore. Darius Williams isn't there anymore. You know, Odell Beckham Jr., we'll see what ends up happening there. He's out until probably Thanksgiving or so, and who knows where he signs. But, like, your point is well taken about depth. And that's, that's by the way, is why I have a lot of reservations about the Chargers this year. Like, Same. You may have eight or nine really good players. But guys get hurt in the NFL. Yeah. And, like, what happens when those guys go to – that's why I still think Buffalo and Kansas City are the two best teams in the NFC because you have all these guys behind the top-line guys who can come in and play and be 80% of who's in front of them. And that's incredibly valuable and something that nobody talks about during camp but everybody talks about come November. 
I'll tell you who else was probably talking about it. I know was thinking about it is Brent Veach. I mean, look what look what Kansas City did. Instead of keeping their roster the way that it was, which is super top heavy, they decided we're going to move on from one of our best and most electrify, electrifying players. We're going to go out and we're going to draft Sky Moore. We're going to go out and sign Juju Smith-Schuster. We're going to go and, and draft George Karlaftis. We're going to go sign Carlos Dunlop. So now they're not a team that is so top heavy now that they can't compete long term. They're going to have a wide. They're going to be harder to defend. They're just like the Bills have become harder to defend. Uh, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and even more difficult to stop on the defensive side of the ball. Listen, if the best teams like the Bills and the Chiefs have perennially been for the last five years are sort of taking that same principle, I think teams are going to start to take notice of that and start to plan accordingly. I know that the cap is going to grow over the next couple of years and really inflate, but the Bills and the Chiefs are still going to spend more money than anybody on their top players, but they're also going to keep in mind that they need to hit on their first, second, and third round picks. And if you're the Bills, you know, start hitting on your fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. But, you know, the Bills' last three second round picks all balled out on Thursday night. And I think that's going to be how you keep that sustained success is by drafting well and having depth outside of your, your blue chip players. Absolutely. Look, yes, you can always point to a handful of guys on a roster who were brought in other than picks in the draft. Right? I mean, the Bills, of course, traded for Stephon Diggs. You know, they've, they've gone out and they've added pieces like Micah Hyde, you know, free agency, and Von Miller. But most of the Bills' players are draft picks. I think most of their best players are draft picks. Kansas City, the same holds true. Sure, the Chiefs have brought in a handful of guys, but most of their guys, their blue-chip guys, they're drafted. I mean, you just talked about you know, mid-round picks. The Chiefs in the second round the last couple of years. Creed Humphrey, yep. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. I mean, that's, you know, Sky Moore will see how he plays and pans out. But, like, that's, that's how they've been so good for so long. And I think that's why a lot of times when I look at a team like the Rams, listen, give them credit, they won a Super Bowl. That's the name of the game, they did it. But do I, do I have concerns about them long term? Yeah, because at some point, guys get old, guys get hurt. Guys retire, guys leave, and you're stuck trying to replace these guys with third and fourth and fifth round picks. And you can do that occasionally. It's really hard to do consistently. Um, and look, the bottom line is, I think the other thing Kansas City and Buffalo both did this year, and Buffalo did it with Miller and the Chiefs did it with Dunlop, Carl Office. In this conference, you've got to get a pass rush. You certainly do. If you can't do that, you're dead. You're, just gonna, you're eventually going to come against some team that you just, you're going to play a quarterback who can, who can go head-to-head with Allen or Mahomes. I think both teams doubled down on getting a pass rush this year and saying, look, if we can get to you at four, you're probably not beating our quarterback. Boy, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a little bit of this Texas-Alabama game. I'll tell you, Quinn Ewers looking pretty darn good out there for those Texas fans. Same thing. Well, you know, my, my producer, Zach Jones, is wearing a Texas hoodie in the middle of summer, so I know he's a real diehard Texas fan because he's willing to sweat his ass off in the studio for it. I'm not well, saying they're back, but we're there. there. That was a hell of a throw down the field. <laughs> yeah, Texas fans always want to tell you. We're not saying they're back, but they're they're back. We're about three-quarters away from me just losing my mind. <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they might want to take the lead first. Yeah, like that. maybe maybe grab the lead before you before you start signing checks. Great teams yeah. cover. Yeah, that's right. Great teams cover. Exactly. <laughs> Matt Verderam here of Fansided on the Western Hotline. So I, I want to ask you now, talking about this defense, talking about the offensive side of the ball here, Matt, um, yeah. and Josh Allen. And, and I was talking about this with, with Mike Tanier. And, you know, this is something that maybe almost to a fault – Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are so good off schedule, off script, outside of the pocket, creating when maybe the play called isn't 
going to be the play that that wins them the down or wins them the game, but rather it's the scramble rules. It's when they can get outside of the structure of the offense that they really thrive. The thing that stood out to me on, on Thursday night was how well Josh Allen played from the pocket and did things that we haven't really seen him do at this point yet in his career, which is, to me anyways, he averaged 2.19 uh, um, seconds per release, you know, or, or you know, before the yep. ball was out, which is the fastest of his career. He also had a franchise record for um, highest completion percentage in a game with over 30 attempts and 83%. Overall, Matt, like, that was the kind of performance you saw from Josh Allen that showed a different layer of his game that I think could really lend to him doing some really special things this year. Yeah, I, I think it's the maturation of his game, right? When he first came to the league, he was a guy who kind of played almost like a little like Brett Favre, where you never knew what was going to happen on a play-and-play-out basis. He might throw for 400 yards in a game and be amazing. He might also throw three picks and take a 25-yard sack on you know, and, and, right. and anything was possible. I think what you're seeing now is a player who's played a few years, who understands, hey, look, if i got to throw a rocket ball 40 yards down the field between a safety and a corner, I know I can do it. But – I've got to make sure I don't make the big mistake. And I've also at times got to just take what's given to me. If it's first and 10, I can take seven yards. I got to take it. And I think that's something that quite honestly, famously Mahomes last year had to learn because teams played them so differently. Right. And I think, I think Buffalo is going to get the same treatment. You're just going to see a ton of these two high shells. They're going to try to keep you from getting deep. Now, of course, if the bills were able to do it a few times later in the game when the Rams would take some more chances, but I think you're going to see more and more of that where, Hey, look, if you can take seven, ten yards, that's fine. And then every once in a while, teams are going to get tired of that, and they're going to come up. They're going to make a play. But the Bills, the Bills' diversity in their offense is so key. I think Dawson Knox is a guy I look at. I think he's going to have a big year this year. You look at Gabe Davis, who everybody thinks is going to have a big year. It certainly started out well on Thursday night. Big digs is digs. You know, I think it's going to be more of an ensemble than it's just going to be, okay, well, Diggs has to have 1,400 yards, and then everybody else is going to fill in it's going to be a lot more of, okay, Diggs might have 1,200 yards this season, which is great, but you're going to have other guys who are going to have 800 yards, mm. 900 yards, 600 yards. And that, I, I honestly, I think that's better. I think it's harder to stop um, because you, know, you may come in, in contact with a team that has one great corner who can shut Diggs down right. or at least hold them under. Well, now it's, it's still harder to, to deal with now if you're the other team because you have all these other guys. So I think – Allen is maturing, the Bills are evolving, and it's a dangerous thing for the rest of the NFL. So let me ask you, Ken Dorsey, first impressions. Uh, and I, I had my buddy Aaron Quinn, who, who does stuff in content creator for the Bills at Cover One. Like We were talking about, when you think about Ken Dorsey, I don't think any, even Bills fans, the, I, I think the, the, the hope was just don't, don't be worse. Try to just maintain right. whatever we saw from Brian Dable and just do that. It felt like there, like maybe we didn't really build in the opportunity or potential that he could be slightly better. And yesterday, whether it was the first 10 scripted plays or how they came out in that second half, how they neutral the game plan neutralizing Aaron Donald without necessarily neutralizing him, I was really impressed for that being Ken Dorsey's first game as a, as a play caller. I'm, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to overreact to week one, but I will say. I'm now going to at least allow the opportunity and thought process of he could be better than Brian Dable. Yeah, I, I think you're right in not overreacting in the sense that look, we also have like the entire offseason game plan for that game, so that helps. Um, I'm curious to see as they go week by week by week. That being said, 
I've heard nothing but really good things about Ken Dorsey. And certainly Josh Allen giving his seal of approval and wanting him as EOC tells you plenty of what he thinks of him. Uh, I, I expected Dorsey to be a very good coordinator. I think he will be. He was excellent uh, on, on Thursday night. And but I, the one thing I liked that he did, that Dave all the time wouldn't do, and, and to be fair to Brian, I think part of this is just the, the personnel and the way they kind of had to play, but they, they ran the ball a little bit more on Thursday night. And the way they ran it, they had a lot of motion in their runs. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff, I always, I'm a big believer in using pre-snap motion, which, by the way, was another odd thing with the Rams on Thursday night. They, they barely ever went into motion for the play. It was very strange. 11 personnel they, 100% of the time. Which McVay does that. Like, McVay's kind of famous for that, but I thought it was weird. Like, a lot of times at the Rams, they'll give you a lot of motion looks. The Rams did almost none of I think it was either eight plays or 11 plays the whole night where they had pre-snap motion. It was very odd. Uh, but I liked it the Bills especially when Allen's got these, these option plays, he yeah. could keep it, he could handle. It's just so hard to defend when you've got Singletary, who, by the way, I don't know how people in Buffalo feel. Singletary should be getting 90% of the carries. Yes. But like, Singletary is a, is a threat, right? He's maybe not Jonathan Taylor, but he's a good running back. And then you have Allen, who's a freight train coming down. Like, it, to me, the more motion you can give teams, the better. If you can make a defender think for half a second in the NFL, you've won. So I like that Dorsey's incorporating that. I, I, I think it's something to keep, keep doing and keep, mo- and keep evolving with. I worry a little bit about Allen carrying the ball as much as he does, but that's who he is. That's part of what he does. And, and obviously, as long as he can avoid injury, it's a great thing for the Bills. Yeah, and I, I, I think to, to the Singletary point, is he not exactly what I think Chiefs fans are hoping Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, right? Like, small, he's not a guy that's going to outrun everybody and be the big play threat, but in a, in a like, and this is like a famous Rex Ryan line, but like, he'll make you miss in a phone booth in those short, art, short area yardage, like, he is elite at one thing, and it's the ability just in those short areas he gets lost behind the line of scrimmage because he's small, and he just is great at making the first guy miss. And I think there was a third down play where he gets a catch out in the left flat. He makes the corner miss, puts his shoulder down, and gets the first down on the third and two. And that's just exactly the the type of thing that that he is and should be doing each and every week. And I agree, he should really be the guy they're giving the ball to 90, 95% of the time. That is at least until James Cook gets acclimated in this office. But Zach Moss brings him out. He's a catch and fall He's a run and fall kind of guy, but overall, like, is is that not kind of like what Chiefs fans are hoping Ceh is? Yeah, yeah, it's actually funny. If I was going to compare him to a Chiefs running back, it actually reminds me more of Jarek McKinnon mm. because McKinnon's like that. McKinnon, first of all, for the record, I, McKinnon's a better running back than, than Clyde Edwards-Helaire is. I, I know the Chiefs will give Edwards-Helaire more carries because he's a first round pick, and they want to get him going. McKinnon, if he can stay healthy, he's just a better player. Um, but I, he reminds me of that in a sense. He can make a guy miss. Every once in a while, I can lower his shoulder. He can run a guy over. And in, in both cases, even when McKinnon was at the prime of his career in Minnesota, like, I, don't, I don't think he ever looked at either guy and went, how are we going to stop that guy? Like, he's not, they're not that level. They're not Jonathan Taylors. They're not, they're not Derek. But they're, they're good pieces in the offense. And you know, I think especially with, with teams like that, whether you're talking about Buffalo or Kansas City or even if you want to throw Tampa or, or somebody of that level, um, you know, or Cincinnati, although Cincinnati is mixing, is excellent. Like, you don't need to run the ball a ton. You don't even need to run the ball necessarily to win. But, you, you know, Allen led them in rushing on Thursday night. But you, you need a guy 
who, if there's four yards available to you on the ground, you need to be able to pick it up. You need to be able to get those four cheap yards on first down instead of a guy who maybe gets two. So I, I don't think Singletary is like part and parcel to the Bills being able to win a Super Bowl this year, but I do think he's another weapon. He's another guy. And the fact he can catch the ball out of the backfield, especially for a team like Buffalo, it's going to throw the ball a ton. That only adds to the weaponry when the defense lines up and goes, okay, is he going to stay in the block? Is he going to go out? Are they going to hand off? It just gives you more options on an offense where already you've got to deal with three or four other guys who you know can make a play. The thing I want to tell you, and maybe just pass this along to the to Chiefs ownership and, and, and management, listen, the Bills went out and they started a sixth-round pick corner in Christian Benford over their first-round pick, Kyer Elam. It's okay to start guys, even though they're not first-round picks, over first-round picks because they're better. Like I agree with you. I, I, I want to see, frankly, I mean, from a fantasy perspective as well, I'd like to see more Jarek McKinnon. He gives them way more juice, and I thought they started using him more in the playoffs, which I don't think there's, you know, like – I want to see more McKinnon. He gives him way more juice. You know, I, I, it's funny with the Chiefs, to be honest. They actually usually are very much like, hey, we're going to play whoever. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of in their MO. But I think it's a couple things. I think McKinnon's injury history is such that the Chiefs are very careful with him. They, they don't want to get him hurt in some game in week seven that they feel like, look, if we win, we win. If we don't, like, it's probably not because Charlie McKinnon didn't see the ball 20 times. But I, I think, you know, it, it did speak volumes. They did not in the playoffs mm-hmm. when they needed to win. And who and was on he the was, field? That's right. Derek McKinnon was on the field. Um, I think, you know, they got Ronald Jones this offseason. Now, look, I think Jones is more of a, you know, hey, if you need if you need four yards, I'll get you four yards. If I need five yards, I'll get you four yards. Like, I, I don't think Ronald Jones is going to be carrying the mail uh, too often. And they, I, I will say this, um, which may be for fantasy purposes, whatever, and I, I don't always buy into it, but. The Chiefs are insanely high on the seventh round running back. I know. Tell me, tell us more about Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco's a guy who, if you watch the film, is almost impossible to evaluate because Rutgers blocked like the Rams, but like all season long. <laughs> so it's a, it's kind of impossible to like really figure out what's going on because every time he gets the ball, he's going to make two guys miss in the backfield. But he's, he he reminds me just in his running style of Kareem Hunt. He's he's mm. a bigger guy with balance. He can he can play through contact. He's got really good hands. Um, they are like like put it this way: they play their guys in the preseason. Andy Reid just believes in doing that. And if all, in all the games, Pacheco went in with the starters and he left with the starters. Like they didn't like want to see him in the third quarter. They didn't want to see him with the second team. Like they played him with Mahomes and with the t- starting offensive line, and that was usually it. I think he maybe had one or two series with the second team. But he, they are they are really excited about him in turn. They're really excited about the class in general. They're they're very high on Karlofsky. Yeah. But Pacheco is a guy who they kind of took a flyer on, who they're very excited about. Um, real quick, uh, help me preview this Kansas City Arizona game. What 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 should we expect? Um, it looks like there's going to be no Rondale Moore, no uh, DeAndre Hopkins. That means it's going to be right. kind of easy just to cue in on Marquise Brown. You got AJ green, but I mean, AJ green has been relevant in years. Um, what are you kind of expecting from that game? It, it kind of feels like if Kansas city is the team that I'm kind of envisioning, they are this year. I know Arizona will probably towards the end of the year, be an NFC team that will either be a wild card or they should have a chance to win that division. Um, what, what are you making of this game? Like what, what, what are you predicting? So my picks on Thursday, I picked the Chiefs to win thirty-five twenty-four. I think, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Arizona can can guard them. You know, Trayvon yeah. Mullins out, Antonio Hamilton is out. 
Byron Murphy is questionable. Uh, they have no corners left. Marcus Golden flat out said yesterday in the press that he's, he's got a broken toe from dropping a 50-pound kettlebell on it. Um, J.J. Watt didn't practice all week. So, you know, Cody Ford is out for this game, an old friend of the Bills. Uh, oh, no, not I, Cody Ford. I, I, <laughs> I just think the Chiefs are going to do a lot of a Buffalo day, a lot of dink and dunk right down the field, then occasionally hit them over the top. The thing I think most people are curious about with the Chiefs is defensively, I think there's an eternal feeling they're a lot better than people think they are. Um, and that is because of these young kids, but also Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Justin Reed coming over. Um, I, I think the Chiefs are going to be a team that they move down the field a little bit more with the West Coast-style offense. I think defensively, it's a lot of speed and athleticism. We'll see if they make some mistakes as a young defense, but I think they'll win in Arizona. They're, they're clearly the better team. Matt, I appreciate you, buddy, as always. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Love the insight, as always. Um, and in case, for whatever reason, folks that are listening don't know where to find your work, uh, where can they find you? Fansides.com. I've got my Stack in the Box column that goes up every Monday, quarterback rankings on Wednesday, power rankings Tuesday, picks Thursday. And then, of course, you can find me on Twitter, where I'm always at uh, Matt Verderam. So check it out. Uh, I'm always happy to interact and talk. And then, I, hey, I went to school last week, so I you know plenty of Bills fans. And I'm excited for the fan base. It should be a great year for them. Awesome, buddy. Thanks, as always. Enjoy this beautiful slate of football this weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. All right, buddy. Bye. Uh, that is Matt Verderam of Fansided on our Wester Hotline. Quinn Ewers, just as I think I spoke too soon, buddy. I am unwell. He had the towel over his head as he walked to the locker room. Didn't uh-huh. look good. Uh-huh. Um, and then they just dropped a very sure what should be pick there. Uh, Texas ain't back, bro. I just, uh, why do I talk? Why do I, I speak? I don't know. I know I get paid to partially talk, but I just, I need to stop. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Oh. No doubt, no doubt. All right. Uh, we're going to take a time out. What I'm actually going to do, too, is Sean McDermott met with the media yesterday. Um, we, we're probably going to play that back for you next segment. We're also going to hear uh, Joe Marino was on earlier this week. We'll hear from him as well. So more insight coming up here. All of that on Sports Talk Saturday. Don't go anywhere here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.